let's check in now with tour guides Jorge Ramon and Francisco Claria. Jorge grew up in Malaga and now lives in Madrid. Francisco comes from Pamplona. They both proudly show visitors around their country, and they bring us tips now for memorable side trips from Madrid. Thanks for joining us, Jorge and yeah, Francisco. You're welcome. welcome. So we go to Madrid. Of course, you got to see Madrid. It's the modern capital of Spain. But you also want to use that as a springboard to get out and see some sites nearby. Jorge, you live in Madrid. Mm -hmm. If you had a visitor who had you know, a week to be headquartered in Madrid but wanted to be sure to get out and see the most interesting things outside of the big city in mm -hmm. Castile, what are the top four or five sites they would want to see? For sure, Toledo. Mm -hmm. El Escorial is one other one. Mm -hmm. Salamanca. Salamanca. Yep, Segovia. Yes. And uh, if you are Catholic, you should miss uh, Avila. Avila. Now, why would that be if you're Catholic? Because it's the birthplace of Santa Teresa from Avila. Also, a lot of pilgrims are go to Avila for that. And, uh, and if you're into medieval walls, that's another good reason to go to Avila. True. That's so true. you've got yeah. St. Teresa, yeah. incredible and medieval walls. the walls. And some good nun pastries. Don't you have some Gemmas, nuns? the jokes. Yeah, tell us about jokes. this. All over Spain, you find convents are cranking out great yeah. sweets. Yeah. It is a way for the nuns to survive. So of the actually, church. they're actually helping to pay the rent by baking and selling their cupcakes. Well, they don't pay much rent because... Uh, well, whatever, cover their costs. Yeah, cover the costs and everything, yeah. And it's a way of making some money. These are very popular in Avila. It's called and, the, the Yemas de Santa Teresa. Y-A-M-A-S? Y-E. Y-E-M-A-S. Yeah. Now, these are egg yolks. Pure egg yolks with tons of sugar in now, it. Tons of sugar and yeah. egg yolks. Mix <laughs> yeah. it together, bless it, yeah. pop it in the oven, and, and eat yamas. And it will be in your side for the rest of your life. <laughs> now, I, I'm fascinated by all of this monastic cooking and sweets, conventional sweets, mm -hmm. I think they're actually called in Spanish. Yeah. And they have a practical way to just use all of their materials efficiently because I understand they use the white part of the egg for starching the material that they do. Yeah. And you yeah. have the yolks left over. Yep. So you might as well cook up the yolks. So yeah. there's three reasons to go to Avila. Francisco, uh, Jorge mentioned Salamanca. Now, Salamanca is a little bit farther away from Madrid, but it really is worth the trip. It is. It's an extremely beautiful city. Probably is the youngest city because it is a, where we have the all international universities. It's a, if you're a young traveler, it is a place to go. That's what I felt when I was there. It's like a university town. Yeah. We have the language department of a Spanish uh, university. So if you want to learn Spanish the good way to go is to Salamanca. Okay. It is a vibrant city. Vibrant is, is the word when you yeah. think Salamanca. Mm -hmm. And also, it, it's famous for having the greatest uh, Plaza Mayor. Yes. The great that. square. Plaza Mayor is like main square mm -hmm. of any town. Yeah. Uh, Plaza Mayor, it's uh, where the life of the city goes on. What's the best time of day to go there? And, and what sort of social action well, will you see? The best time is not the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's put the afternoon, very late afternoon. Late afternoon. It is the moment when all the kids are out of school, out of college. So you have kids from every country in the world coming to Salamanca to study, and they party. When we think about kids partying, it's like alcohol. No, no, they just mingle, and they talk, and you have all of these different accents, and they're all happy. It's vibrant. There's a joyfulness. There's even a local sort of music group that is famous in Salamanca. Oh, La Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> what was that shudder for? What was that? Okay. La Tuna. La Tuna. It is uh, <laughs> these guys dressed in black tights with a, like a mandolina uh, guitar, and they go singing, and people in Spain... We hate them. <laughs> we Why, are say. they annoying or what's the deal? They are annoying. Because they're just always kind of begging, aren't they? They play and beg. Well, the thing is that what they really do is they go 
seeking for the girls, and they all sing very well. And well, they, that's why you don't like them. They yes, take the girls. They They're get so the girls. romantic. <laughs> for them, not for us. <laughs> they they dress in very uh, dashing, sort of uh, yeah. Don Juan, old uh, classic like, kind of. How ways. do you imagine a Don Juan? In a black velvet, you know, <laughs> puffy pants and a little cape with ribbons hanging. It is, ugh, gives me goosebumps. No, okay, so, Jorge, we got Francisco's honest uh, reaction to the tuna bands in the Salamanca. What, what's your reaction to La Tuna? Uh, they are very cheeky. <laughs> they are very, very cheeky. cheeky. Yeah, because they don't beg money. I mean, they almost demand the money of you. And all they do, when you see their capes, yeah. you see shells from places from all over the world. And they have been traveling all over the world of the money they've been getting. Is that right? By, oh, yeah. Because if By you're going to have a wedding, Wedding or a party before your marriage or any kind of a get-together, you can hire a tuna band. Oh, you can, yeah. And they claim to be students from different faculties, from the you know, yeah. pharmacy or yeah. uh, journalism, whatever. So it, it has you an, see some of them, they are like 40 with white hair. Yeah. Are you a student? Are you really a student? <laughs> so a lifelong, uh, yeah. because there's supposed to be this noble, struggling student troubadour kind yeah. of uh, image. But actually, that's a fun little vocation for a lot yeah, of musicians. Yeah, true. But you do, it's a fun part of Salamanca. One thing I remember from Salamanca is on the main square, it was the paseo time. Everybody was out, and mm. it was actually organized where the boys were going clockwise and the girls were going counterclockwise. That's in the old times. In the, in the old like times, yeah. yeah. And everybody could check everybody out in a very yeah. systematic yeah. way. And that was especially in summer because Salamanca is very cold in winter. Yeah. And when the weather improves... Yeah, that's the way they used to go around. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about side trips from Madrid. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Kurt's on the phone in St. Joseph, Missouri. Kurt, thanks for your call. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, very interested in uh, following uh, Don Quixote de la Manca <laughs> and uh, the train. <laughs> and uh, I've heard so much about it, and I've, I really would like some idea of an itinerary, uh, day trips basically out of Madrid, into La Manca, maybe starting at certain, you know, what villages like Consuegra to start with and going on and maybe ending up in Cuenca. So La Mancha, is, as I would say it, La Mancha is Arabic for parched earth, isn't it, or something yeah, like exactly, this? Yeah, different colors of the earth. So it's yeah. very dry, and, and it's famous for its windmills and its ruined castles and its dusty towns, and this is the Don Quixote route. Jorge, what are some ideas uh, if people... Well, if you have a car and you mention a little place called Consuegra, I highly recommend that because uh, it's breathtaking when you approach the town from the freeway and you see the skyline of the mountain just topped by the windmills, the old-style windmills that still remain there. So anybody heading south from Madrid on the big auto route there, the uh, N4, is going to see Consuegra uh, on the right-hand side as you go down. And you have two ways, but uh, I highly recommend you to go first to Toledo, which is on the way to Consuegra, uh-huh. Stop in Toledo, find what Don Quixote made in Toledo, because uh, it's quite a few things, and continue to Consuegra. Okay. Francisco, any advice on La Mancha and Don Quixote sightseeing? I think the most beautiful part is that one. This right. Is the typical windmills that... Obviously, there are much more places, but for, yeah. for a day trip... For the typical tourist, yeah. Consuegra is so easy because it's just, you see yeah. it from the freeway, and you yeah. go up there, you can drive up to the little top there, and you can look down over the town, and you've got the ruined windmills and the castle mm-hmm. you can tour... True, yeah. How does that sound there, Kurt? It sounds wonderful. Does the trail go east from there toward Cuenca? Is there more to see, more windmills and so on, further on up on like uh, N420 or anything like that? No, not in Cuenca. I mean, if you want to see the windmills, just go to the area Consuegra or keep going south. I think it's very evocative from a history point of view, but physically from a sightseeing point of view, I don't think there's a lot there beyond Consuegra. 
hidden places, you have to know where to go. Boy, well, thank you very much. That, uh, <laughs> that certainly gets me Jorge, in the right direction. Wait, wait a minute. Jorge knows a hidden place. What would a hidden place be, Jorge? Well, you have Puerto Lapice over there, a little bit further down, which is the, supposed to be the Posada where Don Quixote stopped uh, okay. quite a few times on his ways up and down the La Mancha. And actually, there is a monument over there to Don Quixote and Sancho Panza as well. And it's a very picturesque town. It's what called town is Puerto Lapice. Puerto Lapice. Is if you go down Madrid, uh, the A4, I think it's in the kilometer number 125. 125 uh, yeah. kilometers south From of Madrid. Madrid so about yeah. 70 kilometers south of Madrid. Good luck, Kurt. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Carla's on the phone in Kihei in Hawaii. Aloha, Carla. Aloha. Uh, you've already recommended visiting Avila, so my question's more about getting there. We're going to be staying in both Madrid and Segovia, so should we visit Avila on a day trip from Madrid or Segovia, which has the easiest travel connections? Use the bus. Either, either. from Segovia or yeah, Madrid. Or Madrid yeah. You know, that's a very interesting point because Americans tend to go on the train, and there are some good fast trains, but mm-hmm. we underestimate the efficiency of the bus system in Spain. There's a very, very efficient regular service. The buses will go uh, many, many departures. They're very inexpensive, and I think they're scenic because you go through the towns. Yeah. When you go in a bus, you get a view from a higher place. It's slow. You go through beautiful places. Very good for the scenery. And they're very comfortable. Uh, they're very practical. Would you, if you were, let's say you're in Madrid or Segovia, you could just go to the bus station and find out when's the next bus. There'll be one in an hour and uh, maybe, you hop on. Maybe the next 30 minutes you have next, one, yeah, yeah, so, and you can just buy the ticket there. You don't yeah. need to make a reservation no, or worry about that. I mean, you can make a reservation if you want to, but, but you, if you can buy a ticket up there. You know, a lot of tourists, we don't speak the language, and we're not inclined to do things on the internet very well, so mm-hmm. we can just go to the bus station yeah. and yeah, fake so it. For sure. All over Spain, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah in all, all the cities, you have good bus stations. Carla, does that give you some ideas? Thank you. Yeah. Mahalo. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Carlos is on the phone in Dallas, Texas. Carlos, thanks for your call. Yes, hi, Rick. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, this trip is a little bit further than the others mentioned before, but it's such a wonderful trip. It's going to see the prehistoric art in Cantabria. It hmm. is incredible to be able to go to those caves and see face-to-face with this magnificent art. And I also think it's one of the few caves that you still can go to see prehistorical paintings. That's right, because a lot of the precious prehistorical art that's twenty or 30,000 years old has uh, been open to the public for a little while, and then all of the humidity and uh, the excitement and the flash attachments of the tourist sort of uh, deteriorates the art more in, in one decade than it had been in 20,000 years before that. Consequently, at Altamira and at Lescaux, you have copy caves yep. where you can't go to see the real thing unless you're a special uh, scholar. But yep. the tourist groups can go to see the perfect copy cave. But now, Carlos is talking about Cant- Cantabria. Cantabria. Monte Castillo, is that what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. Yes, uh, they have, I think, three or four caves. Uh, I went to see all of them. It's probably the, most, uh, the best experience I ever have on any trip. It's amazing to see wow. that now, art how do we get, right there. Uh, Jorge, from, from Madrid, how do you get to Cantabria? Where is that? Well, that's not a day trip. It's no. more than a day trip. Yeah, yeah, where are we talking in Spain here? Uh, it's in the north. In the north? In the north, yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is in the area... Of when you look at the map, it's just above Madrid by the... Uh, but it's way up by the north coast. By the north coast, yeah. Okay, Cantabria, yeah. That's near Altamira. So yeah. Altamira would be the most famous one, but yeah. uh, Carlos is talking about one that's not as famous as Altamira. 
It's actually the prehistoric art at Monte Castillo, C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O, in Cantabria. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And uh, thank you, Rick. Thank you for uh, the tip there, Carlos. Happy travels. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye now. We're talking about side trips from Madrid, and maybe with Carlos you need a, a private jet or something. for Maybe. <laughs> Spain's a big place, and that's yeah. way up in the north, but really that's, a, that's an area that a lot of people don't get to very much. A lot mm-hmm. of the pilgrims come by on their way to Santiago, but... Uh, but they don't stop to see some of the prehistoric art. So we're talking about side-tripping from Madrid. We've talked about, uh, well, Toledo is the most important city. That would be the historic and artistic and spiritual capital of Spain. Yep. we got Avia with the wall and the St. Teresa. we got uh, Salamanca. Also, you've got El Escorial, and you've got the Valley of the Fallen. Mm-hmm. In the short time we have left, Francisco, if you're thinking about El Escorial, what are we talking about there? We have an extremely beautiful monument, 16th century, when we think about the Reconquist, you know, we have the Catholic kings and we need to have a symbol to show off, you know, that mm-hmm. we are what we are, the Catholic kings and this Catholic kingdom. And that is El Escorial. El Escorial, so El Escorial is this sort of overbearing, big, mean-looking building that really shows the power of the church. Exactly. I mean, And this is El Escorial. El Escorial. It's a monastery, but it's also a palace. It's a palace. From an austere king. Mm-hmm. And is it, you're talking about the Reconquista, but there's also the Counter-Reformation mm-hmm. because the Spaniards just really stood up against the whole Protestant Reformation. True. They yeah. were the big power that was Catholic. Yeah. And uh, if you were a Protestant, uh, modern kind of reforming sort of Christian and you wanted to think of who's the enemy, you might really think El Escorial. Well, all of the cathedrals and, and all these monasteries, they really try to make you an, a point. This is it. I this mean, is the not, only way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but Rick, keep in mind one thing. Escorial, when it was built, and we're talking in the 16th century, besides the Egyptian pyramids, it was the biggest building ever built wow. up until those days. Is that right? El Escorial. I mean, I, the way I understand it, there's, there's not much else built in Spain during that generation. So much of the energy went into mm-hmm, building this true. El Escorial. Yeah. And it, it was built because of the winning of a war against the French troops. Is that it right? the San Quentin War, yeah. Oh, okay. It's built in the shape of a, of a grill, isn't it? It is. And he's dedicated to St. Lawrence, who was burnt in a grill. So he was, he, St. Lawrence was grilled. He <laughs> yeah. was a martyr, and he was yeah. actually grilled. And yeah. that was his, the symbol of his yeah. martyrdom. So this biggest building in Europe at that time... No, was in built, the world. In the world. Besides the pyramids. Oh, wow. Was yeah. built in the shape of, of St. Lawrence's yeah. grill. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. Uh, yeah, And you then speaking it. of powerful stuff, we've also got the Valley of the Fallen. True. Now, that's a different this, power. That's a whole different <laughs> a time. Different power. That's a different, but Spain had this horrible civil war in the 1930s. How many people died in the civil war? Uh, well, it was estimated about under two million people. About two million people. Yeah, but certainly the, there's no official number. And you talked about the biggest building in the world. I think by some measures the biggest church could be this incredible underground memorial that was built. Well, you know, there's a little anecdote about that because you know in the Catholic world there is a non-written law that no church in the world should be bigger than St. Peter's in the Vatican. Yeah. Franco's idea of that grandiosity he thought he had, he digged the church inside of the rock, and it was a third larger than the Vatican. A third larger? And you yeah. step inside today and no, you look at No, but you know what happened. The Vatican said to him, hey, <laughs> you know what you have to do. So officially, the church is like um, uh, 300 meters from the entrance of the tunnel, from inside. So there is a fence over there, okay. and officially the church is from there. So a technicality, they could get away with that yeah. then. Yeah. 
And it's so that's underground, but it's capped by an incredible granite cross. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. On top of the cave, a hundred and thirty meters. So that's four hundred feet tall. Yeah, a granite cross that you can see from miles and miles away. Oh yeah, yeah. And the four evangelists in the corner of the base. And then at the right at the front of the church, right where the high altar would be, is the wonderful Christian martyr, Francisco Franco. And the and the founder <laughs> and the founder of Hopefully. the phalanges, you know? and the founder of the fascists in yeah. Spain. Yeah, so yeah. The, the fascist dictator yeah. treated like a Christian martyr, almost in here. And of course, it's technically a monument to all the people who died in the Civil War, but they're buried on the side. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. good old Franco is right there. Oh, is it a powerful sight for Spaniards to go there to? Fra- what do you think when you go to Franco's tomb? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, well. well, the thing is that we all have. I'm 41. I I was born when uh, Franco was alive. He died when I was uh, three years old. So I don't personally. I don't know anything about Franco. What I know are the stories that my grandparents told me, and both of them fought in a Spanish civil war. One with Franco, and the other one, my mom's, against Franco. By the way, they hated each other, of course. And it depends who you go with, which grandpa. If you go oh, with yeah. so my you go... dad's grandpa, it's perfect. It is a holy place. If you go with my mother's uh, father, it's like Whoa. hell. <laughs> so you go with your grandpa, and it's to remember Franco. And yeah. when you go with your grandma, it's to make sure he's still dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rick Steves. We're talking about great Spanish sites within an easy day trip from Madrid. We've been joined by Jorge Roman and Francisco Gloria. Thank you guys very much, and uh, I hope to see you in Madrid. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.